All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Jaeger, and this is Zero to Gen Z, the podcast where we talk about everything science, history, and sociology. Um, this episode is the first part in our um, first uh, first tandem of episodes about viruses. <clears throat> Sorry, this is this is pretty late. I've had um, an interesting and busy couple weeks, so I had a hard time finishing the research and script for this. Um, so by the time this comes up, you'll be able to go to my website, which should be linked on my Twitter. I don't honestly remember the URL. <laughs> um, my Twitter is uh, at Z2Pod. Alright, so... We're just the first part here is just going to be about um, the 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 science of viruses in a pretty relative sense. I'm I mean I'm gonna be going through some things that are you know a little more in depth than um, you know just just casually talking about it. But I'm not gonna be going into like the really complicated um, chemical processes and everything. So you're not gonna really have to worry about much. Um, yeah, and feel free to go to, um, to go look up viruses yourself. This episode, I think I'm going to be recommending that once, um, because you can just, there's some really great visuals that you can find even on Google, uh, images of viruses. So you don't really have to look very far to find what you're looking for. Alrighty, let's, um, let's talk about some viruses. All right, so what is a virus? Well, um, a virus is one of three things that makes somebody sick, obviously, similar to bacteria. However, unlike bacteria, viruses are non-living molecules. So they, um, under a microscope, they might be moving, but they don't actually have any kind of brain or sentience or anything controlling it. Um, they don't grow. They don't, um, they don't have any kind of um, asexual or sexual relationships. Um, all the things that are defined, or excuse me, all the things that define something as living, um, all of them but one um, don't apply. So thereby, it's not living. <clears throat> Basically, to elaborate on that with some, some super science-y language, um, the Merriam-Webster, uh, you can find this online, Merriam-Webster defines a virus as any of a large group of submicroscopic Infectious agents that are usually regarded as non-living, extremely complex molecules that typically contain a protein coating surrounding an RNA or DNA core of genetic material, but no semi-permeable membrane that are capable of growth and multiplication only in living cells, and that cause various important diseases, diseases in humans, animals, and plants. So if you didn't catch all of that, um, I'll be explaining basically everything that that goes over um, more broadly, um, it's pretty difficult to, to say some of those things in layman's terms because there really isn't a layman's terms for it. Um, but I'll do my very best. So a virus can spread through several different facets. Most of them are super obvious. And they're usually involving some kind of body fluid. So, you know, some kind of direct contact to the virus. So, um... You know, like sneezing, obviously. So it, the influenza virus uh, is is airborne, and you know, if somebody sneezes or coughs in your face, and your mucus um, 
is spewed like aerosol out of your mouth and nose and somebody it hit touches their face and then goes into their mouth or through their nose or eyes or um, into their cuticles or their there's a bazillion different places they could go um and it goes in it gets into your bloodstream and that's how you get the virus so even though it might not necessarily seem like direct contact the virus does have to touch your body for you to get sick which i think should be straightforward but um anyways yeah so that's basically the easiest way to explain that section um and yeah go go look on merriam-webster you can find that quote there um and I believe Merriam-Webster has several references, excuse me, several references in the bottom of that page to um, some other stuff that you can look at, which might help to find it a little bit better. All right, now we're going to elaborate on that big science language. Um, unfortunately, this means a little bit more science language. So a virus is made up of two main parts so there is other parts to a virus but there's two of them that are the most important this is how they the structure and function of a virus that is um essential for um it's 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 um it's job basically the capsid so the capsid looks very different on a lot of different viruses so you you couldn't if even if you googled um, virus capsid you'll you'll see several different um versions several different um, looks if you will and the nucleic acid so a nucleic acid is a um, subsection of different kinds of chemicals so like proteins lipids or fats um, carbohydrates or sugars um, and nucleic acids and nucleic acids um, there's several different nucleic acids the most important and most relevant and most talked about are rna and dna and both of those are found in every living organism and in viruses, which are also non-living organisms. Um, this first part, the capsid, um, forms the shape of this, um, of, of the virus, I guess. So if you have a round capsid, you're going to have a round virus. It's basically like the shell, um, of the virus. However, some viruses do have parts extending off of the capsid. So technically in some cases it isn't the, the, the main shape of the virus, like a bacteriophage. It's, um, spelled pretty much like it sounds, um, B A C T E R I O P H A G E. Um, the capsid is the head of it and it kind of looks like, um, some kind of like, boarding ship from star wars or like the they they latch onto the star destroyer and the 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 the, the drone or the droids come storming through that and that kind of thing um which is actually a good analogy um and this capsid helps them bind so binding is important because a um a virus is what you call cell specific which means it can only infect one type of cell so that's why you have like influenza infecting the lungs um, this doesn't mean your whole body doesn't feel the effects of being sick that's because your immune system is going to work to fight it so it uses resources from all over the body 
So really, the pains and aches you feel from being sick is not because the virus is in your arms. It's because your immune system, which is everywhere, it's in your bloodstream, is being um, utilized. And there's several different reasons why you could be aching, but I'm not going to get into that. But it's not because the virus is actually in those areas. <clears throat> and... Um, you know, like a urinary tract infection, those kinds of things. Like, to be honest, actually, I don't know if a UTI is bacteria or viral. I don't remember. Anyways, just as an example, if it is viral, like if you have some kind of infection in your um, urinary tract that is viral, um, it's only infecting the urinary tract or possibly the kidneys, etc. This also means that they have to be, there's something on the outside of a cell um, called a receptor protein. And then outside, the outside of a cell is made up of a um, phospholipid bilayer, which basically means it's like a, if you've ever seen oil float on water, because it's made of a fat and it's um, less dense than water, so it, it floats. So kind of imagine like a little bubble around um, a bunch of different, um, a bunch of different little internal mechanisms. So it, it kind of looks like a, it almost looks like a, like a fish oil pill. Um, I, I guess is it's obviously much, 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 much smaller than that. However, um, and these receptor proteins are little blips on the, on the, the outside layer of this phospholipid bilayer. And they, um, they are a specific shape molecularly, and only things that fit that, kind of like a key, um, are allowed in and out. So the bacteria has to be specific. So it has to be uh, the key for lung tissue, or it has to be the key for kidney tissue, or it has to be the key for blah, 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 you name it. And that's partly the capsid's job. <clears throat> So now we'll talk a little bit more about the quote-unquote anatomy of a virus and not cells. First of all, yeah, like I said, totally go look up um, viruses. You'll see a bazillion different things. Like most relevantly, like COVID um, is kind of round and stuff. You'll see a lot of um, um, artwork and stuff on social media about like doctors and and covid and you'll see the virus is a shape it's got round little like shrek ears sticking out all over it those those shrek ears are um are part of the receptors that stick out of the capsid um or the keys that stick out of the capsid um now the uh dna and rna so Different viruses have different things. Some have DNA, some have RNA. I'm not going to explain why or what really the difference is um, for the virus, but uh, very briefly, DNA is deoxyribose nucleic acid, and that's the double helix, um, almost looked like a twisted ladder um, type of thing. Um, it, that's in all of us. And there's also RNA in all of us. RNA is like if you took that twisted ladder and you cut it down by um, 
you cut that down by by like through the rungs so you have like half of it so it's like this it's like this e shape that goes on forever vertically rna is used in dna um, replication and translation and that's how you get because dna cannot leave the nucleus unless the nucleus is ruptured and that would basically mean the death of the cell anyways um so it's because it's too large to fit through the nucleus um it has to become rna which travels outside of the nucleus and communicates with other proteins and um, organelles inside of the cell. Organelles do many different functions. Um, they're basically, it's like you have a stomach in your body. Well, a cell has a little tiny stomach in it that's got a different name, but it's, it's kind of analogous. Um, and so you need to be able to communicate and there's different ways to communicate, but if you're communicating with proteins, because um, proteins produce things, and they do most of the quote-unquote manual labor, um, you need, <clears throat> you need um, a nucleic acid to talk to a protein, because proteins are made of nucleic acids. So um, they travel outside, and that's their job. And depending on what the virus's job is, um, it'll have DNA and RNA in it, also depending on what it's infecting. So if it's bacteriophages, which infect bacteria, um, I believe almost always have RNA, but um, to be honest, that's a pretty complicated and complex um, answer. So I'm there's definitely some chance that I'm not correct on that one. So... Just reading through my notes here, making sure I didn't miss anything important. Okay, so the DNA and RNA in a virus is used to infiltrate the gen genetic code of the host. Um, this is basically to make copies of itself, so it infiltrates the host DNA or uh, RNA or whatever, and... It tricks the it, it um, tricks the cell into producing more of it, um, and then these um, these uh, copies then become viruses and then they spread. So it becomes exponential. So you have one virus um, infects a single cell, and then that single cell creates another ten viruses for say. So it's a one to ten ratio. I mean, it's obviously. I, I don't really know the ratio there, but it's definitely, it's one to something. And that could be one to thousands, that could be one to ten, that could be one to a million. We, it depends. Um, and this replication can be referred to kind of as the, um, virus life cycle. Because once the virus injects its own DNA and stuff, it no longer has DNA in it. And it quote unquote dies. It doesn't die, it just becomes inactive and then breaks down and... Um, and these two life cycles can, are called the lytic cycle, L-Y-T-I-C, and the lysogenic cycle, L-Y-S-O-G-E-N-I-C. Um, both cycles create an infection, plus technically both cycles uh, end in the death of the host cell. So it, uh, more on that in a second. It's not really, it's a little... Technically, one cycle does not end in the death of the cell. However, 
both cycles are connected, so the host cell will eventually die somehow. All right, so the lytic cycle. The lytic cycle basically means that the virus um, infects a host cell and implements the DNA and RNA and leaves. Um, this DNA RNA, RNA is replicated and then creates new copies of the virus, like I said earlier. Um, once the virus has been adequately replicated, that depends. I mean, the fun, the, what really um, determines that is is we don't really know exactly why or how, but it sometimes it I think it can just be kind of random. So um, the virus is quote unquote burst out, so they leave the phospholipid bilayer. They rupture the outside shell of this um, cell and they leave. This kills it or kills the host cell. Um, and now you have more viruses in your system. So this is the most outwardly dangerous um, because it, the replication is, is um, very quick. However, the immune system sees it much quicker. So while technically it's the most dangerous, it doesn't actually affect you the worst because your immune system finds it almost immediately. So things that are thing uh, viruses that are only lytic um, are usually easier to fight. Um, and then there's the lysogenic cycle. This one's a little bit scarier. Sorry, I bumped the mic a second ago. Um, the lysogenic cycle is very similar. However, the host cell isn't immediately killed. This is the difference. Well, it's more than one difference, but this is the big difference. In the lysogenic cycle, the viral DNA is inserted, similar to the lytic cycle. Um, and this creates the provirus, which I didn't mention earlier. The provirus is basically, um, it doesn't have a shape. It's just the DNA or RNA that's been inserted into um, the host DNA. So um, it's called a provirus because it's the pro or Latin for before, before virus. Um, this basically means, yeah, the genetic code's been hijacked um, and it replicates exactly like the lytic cycle. Um, and this lays dormant. So, um, the lysogenic cycle, um, it doesn't immediately start replicating and making new viruses. So it just sits there and we don't know why or how long, why it sits for how long it does. Um, and it, that's different between every virus, but it sits there for, um, yeah, for an indeterminate amount of time. And once it's, um, once it's ready, the cell goes into the lytic cycle. And this is what I was saying, how they both technically ended the death of the cell, that whenever it's ready, it'll go into the lytic cycle. That provirus will start replicating DNA very quickly. It'll start making new viruses. The viruses burst through the cell, killing it. Um, and the, uh, because the, DNA, the provirus was inside the cell, the immune system can't find it. So it doesn't know it's there. Um, so it's much more dangerous because it's it, it really is like a spy. 
Um, it comes in and nobody sees it. It gets what it wants, and then it replicates really quickly out of nowhere. And there could be... Um, and then once those viruses go infect um, other cells, then you have an extremely quick exponential growth that the immune system can't find um, or can't find easily. Some cells will, will get found out and they will get terminated by the immune system, but not all of them. And that's the important part. Um, cool. So that's basically the two life cycles. Now we're going to go into some fun facts, quote unquote. Um, most viruses immediately go into the lytic cycle. So are most common viruses so you have like um you know like your common cold and stuff um yeah the immune system finds them pretty quickly so it makes it much more difficult to become sick um and the lysogenic cycle is much scarier so yeah, the viral the viral DNA stays in the host for a lot longer, and yeah, they they can't they can't see it, and so <clears throat> you get you get you get a lot of issues, and and these are the most dangerous viruses we see. These are a lot of like STDs and STIs. So HIV/AIDS is lysogenic. Um, uh, cold sores are lysogenic. Uh, herpes is lysogenic. So um, yeah, so y you can see how like some of these lysogenic cycles in viruses really we don't have a cure for hiv aids like there is no cure and part of the reason is because it's lysogenic so that's why they're much more dangerous um is because the immune system cannot find them um quickly or efficiently all right so And, and it's very scary to think about. So I, I'm kind of repeating myself here, but the lysogenic cycle in, in to really, I guess, give a better image of how quickly you become infected once stuff, stuff starts going into the lytic cycle and exploding out of the cell. And then you start becoming, you feel symptoms. So basically you could have three or four viruses into your body. They go and infect three cells. These three cells make millions of viruses. And like two weeks later, all of a sudden you wake up and you feel dead sick. That's because all of those cells have just exploded with millions of viruses that they've been replicating in safety. And so you go from fine to sick. And, you know, the immune system could find all those viruses and terminate them. But one virus got through and infected another cell. And so you feel better. And then a day later, boom, you feel sick again because another cell ruptured with another million viruses. And so there's always the possibility that there's one cell still lurking in the background that's in the lysogenic cycle that the immune system has not found. But it's killed all of the active viruses in your system but there's this one like shadow in the background. So that's why it's nearly impossible to get rid of because it, there's usually always one or two or maybe hundreds or thousands, you never know, um, cells in the background that are just waiting. And 
yeah, that, that again, repeating over and over again, that is why it's dangerous. So, cool. That was about a 25-minute synopsis of the, um, the science of viruses, the very basic science of viruses. So if I made any errors, feel free to let me know. Um, you can, you know, send me a message, let me know. I'll try to make a correction. All right, cool. So I'm going to plug my stuff. So you can find me on Twitter at Z2Pod. Um, you can go to my website, which is linked there on the Twitter. I believe it's z2podcast.wordpress.com. I think that's the URL, but I might be wrong there. Um, you can find this on... You can find a, or not this episode, but you can find my podcast on YouTube. I'll probably be starting to upload um, after this is released. Uh, you can find all of the music credits and sources for this episode on my website. Um, once again, that's c2podcast.wordpress.com. And uh, hope everybody enjoyed the episode. Next week or days or whenever I can finish doing whatever I've got to do. Um, we'll be talking about viral history. So, you know, who discovered the first viruses? When were the first vaccines created? Um, we'll be going even farther back into the ages of stuff like bubonic plague, even though the plague wasn't a virus. We'll be in that area when um, lots and lots of people were getting sick from a lot of different things. Um... Yeah, we'll be talking about its impact on society and societies uh, around the world, globally, in a single country, you name it. Um, we'll be talking about some of the largest um, maybe revolutions and stuff that revolved around um, some kind of virus or sickness. All right, I hope everybody has a absolutely wonderful week. Um, stay safe out there and... Uh, you know, try not to get sick. Wear a mask. It's important. Mm -hmm.